Welcome back, everyone, to a screwed up introduction from Chase Ingram. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got Uh, all quiet on that one. I don't know what happened. I was just I was just so into it. You know what? I'm not even going to start this over. We're just no, gonna run with that, it. That, this that, is that, organic. Go, man. This is what happens. I got. I I was so intent on my air drumming with me and you because we're on a Zoom call, so you get you can hear both of us. And I love that introduction so much <laughs> that uh, Bill's brother put together um, that I forgot how to intro the show. So welcome back to get with the programming. Our first series of analyzing the CrossFit Games. This is the fourth episode as we move into two. 2010. I am Chase Ingram. I'm Captain America. Along with Bill Grundler. Wolverine. With some new sound effects oh, on, the, uh, <laughs> on the old board hold there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got, I got the chills on that one. All right, you want to do it like again? Me, All right, this one's for Bill. Wolverine. Uh, good old Wolverine. <clears throat> That's good. That is real good. So oh, we man, did 2000. I love it already. <laughs> we did 2000, 2007. I'm cracking my beer. Oh, just oh, yeah. that one. Sorry. Crack the beer. Cheers. Cheers. Tink, tink from me. And as we get into 2010, the first three years of the CrossFit Games, 07, 08, and 09, were held in Aromas, California. And this is the first year that they didn't have it there as they moved from Aromas to Carson. And if anybody remembers at the time, now that the games are in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, there was mutiny (laughs) about the fact that they were leaving Aromas to go to Carson, California. And, you know, Bill's laughing is because that became, you know, the place. I mean, you think about Carson, California, the Home Depot Center, StubHub Center of what it eventually turned into, the tennis stadium, the soccer stadium. I mean, what Aroma... um, Carson had. And then when they went to leave Carson, everyone threw the same fit as they went to Madison. So it's kind of funny as you look back on the years and how people react to things in the moment. Um, But 2010 was a uh, special year. Yeah. Think about what the, the, and here we are, we're going to be talking about programming. That move allowed for so, so many different things that you weren't able to really do at Aromas. Um, you know, going into the, having the tennis stadium and having that, that showcased area and the, the soccer stadium, being able to do that, being able to run, having the ocean, you know, real close to where you can, and it's not a cold ocean. It's not like you yeah. know, Northern California ocean. You can actually get down in the waters decently warm. So a, that was a big move. And you're right. There was a lot of people that were pissed, but wow. The, I mean, if you go back and look at some of the pictures of the tennis stadium. Oh man. Especially, I mean, I, I'm not talking that year necessarily. Cause like they had to do some, not in 2010. People, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> we got to try to make stadium. it look like we got some people here and it's like, let's shove everyone over on the one set of stands. But like, I, I mean, the, the pictures were unreal. It was so cool when we moved there. Yeah. That, I mean, that, the move was obviously, you know, mixed feelings there, but it, it was the, the right move to do. And, and exactly to your point is that it opened up the programming so much. It allowed yeah. for more people to attend. It made it a more professional feel. And I feel like that move to Carson is when CrossFit really started to become a sport, Legit a professional sport. sport that athletes right. were now training to become not just like fit dudes, but, um, you know, 
professional athletes and and the change of venue, uh, it did that. So, you know, the birthplace of the CrossFit Games was Aromas, but when the games truly became the CrossFit Games spectacle that it is today, Carson, California is, is where it all happened. And Oh man, totally. And so, so that was a a pretty cool, pretty cool year. Um, 2010 was also the first time you started broadcasting for the CrossFit Games. Yeah. So they, you know, the, the very first live broadcast was the SoCal regional that they had, or the California region, I think is what they called it at that time. Cause they had the, the SoCal and the NorCal people kind of going together. Um, that setup was say and Justin Judkins with Rory McKernan working the board and Tony budding back there and Miranda Oldroy doing interviews. And from that, that was basically, you know, being able to be on the mic a couple times with those guys. I mean, Tony hit me up going out to the final event and said, hey, so if you don't qualify, if you do qualify, that'd be great. You'd be a great story. The old guy out there. And I think I was, I was uh, ninth or 10th going into the final. Then you had to be fourth. So I had, I had a shot. Yeah, that's right. But I had a shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Five, because Jason was a legacy. That's when they had the legacy invite. So he was already going. So I'm um, five then. Right. Yeah. So they took five. So I'm walking. He says, hey, you know, you did really well on the interviews that we had. You look really comfortable. If for some reason you don't make it to the games, do you want to go to the games and be a commentator? I'm like, so I either get to go to the games or I get to go to the games. I'm like, <laughs> uh, hell yeah, totally. So I go out. I don't make it to the games. Damn it. Um, but I end up, I think I was uh, sev- seventh mm-hmm. overall. Oh. So missed it by a handful, like always, and then went to the games. And I, I tell you what, like I'm down on the floor on, it was either Wednesday or Thursday night. We were going to do a live spot before everyone got there. And I, mostly it was kind of to test mm. the system yeah, to see if we could get out, you know, get out on the, on the, uh, the CrossFit game site and see if we could do a, an actual broadcast. And I'm in the tennis stadium and I remember being so stoked and so bummed at the same time <laughs> because it was like it was so close you know you're down there and you just see the stands going up and the floor and oh man that was good yeah good times yeah but that was the that was the first time and we broadcast had no idea what the hell we were doing when we were broadcasting there it was like wall-to-wall eight hours of talking no I mean, what, what you guys did that year on a broadcasting perspective was like running a marathon Suicide. with your mouth every <laughs> day. It, I mean, and he, most people don't know the behind the scenes stuff. They just see what's presented in front of them and they don't know how it got there, how, what it takes to do that, you know, and, and those 2010 early years, man, that was another level I'm telling you. Oh man. I was, you know, it, you, the, the cool thing was we, we, I had no idea, um, what good was or bad was anyway. So they just said, talk. And I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to do some talking. I'm talking with Justin. I'm talking with Marty. Marty's talking with Justin. Justin's talking with Marty. We're like back and forth all over the place. It was nuts, but it was so fun. And I had no idea if I was going to, I mean, I'd never done broadcasting. I had no idea if I would like it. And, um, kind of fell in love with it man it was awesome it was awesome so 2010 um i guess if i can put a a personal 
touch to that was the year that. <laughs> oh wait, here I got. You don't have a soundbite for that. Oh, I got a sound. Oh, there it I is. I got a soundbite. Trip down memory lane. Um, <laughs> it was the year that I qualified for the Karasa Games as an individual, and uh, nobody really knows that. It's not something I put on my bio. Um, one hit wonder CrossFit Games athlete. I don't really think fits in your Instagram um, bio, but uh, All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I'm going to give your side of the story because you won't give your side of the story. But I remember because I mean I was I was competing around that time, and I remember I'm like, who is this weird dude that like decks himself out in red white socks, <laughs> some crazy shirt, weird headband, oh. arm sleeves. Like if he had a cape, he'd wear a damn, like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden he like, you know, crushes his regional, wins this. And he's, you know, all fired up. And you see these pictures of this redheaded dude, redheaded big dude. shouts about all fired up, you know, just like fired up. And there he is, Captain yeah. America. Like that's literally where it started from the Captain America thing. And I knew you. I knew you as Captain America before I knew who Chase Ingram was. Even before I started talking to you, before he came out on the floor, <laughs> that was crazy. That's uh, thank you. Um, it's not, I mean, Bill, and Bill did that because it is not something I talk about. It's not something I bring up. It's not something I uh, wear on my chest. It's something I'm very proud of personally. Um, but you know, I I made it one year. I didn't have the best showing in the world, but I got there. Um, 2010 was a good year. Uh, I guess, you know, going forward is that was the year we had sectionals. If anybody yeah. remembers that is we had sectionals that qualified you for regionals, which got you the CrossFit games. But yes, I was there in person attempting to compete uh, alongside the fittest on earth. So, well, and the I'll, other thing uh, something that we didn't, something that we didn't talk about it's in it's, it's come back around programming wise is every regional back then could program their own events to qualify you to the game. Yes. And there was, it was these regions trying to come up with, I mean, the most, some regions came up with the most insane stuff, just trying to be known as our, I think our people are the toughest so people Cal. to come out. Like, you're never going to be able to do this. All the way to where there were other regions that were seriously doing skills tests, mm -hmm. trying to make it in to the games. Can you do 10 perfect air squats? Can you do 10 perfect whatever? <laughs> Like it was that it was that out of control. Not mm -hmm. like the sectionals now, but yeah, just people just doing some weird stuff. And that weird. was the first and last year they they got they were allowed to program their own because it was weird. Yeah. There were some regions that were just a joke, and there were some that were just insane. Um, I think we were right in the middle, but uh, whatever it was that we were throwing at by our region was a good one for me. So um, enough about that. We will get into the programming, which is why we are here. Um, 2007, 2008, 2009, we're all in Aromas, California, as we said before. And in the last three episodes, we've kind of felt like there was a little bit of a theme with every year. And we believe that 2007's theme was really based off the pure definition of what is fitness. They used your, you know, your three basic testing models. One was a hopper, which the workout was, or the event was drawn out of a hopper. 
10 general physical skills across the board. And then it was the different training or uh, metabolic pathways. And they really did a good job of doing that with only just three events. In 2008, um, you know, affectionately called the um, Every Second Counts, was really more of a test of intensity, not necessarily an appropriate test of fitness. Um, If you guys want to hear more about that, you can check out our episode two of our first series where we go into a lot of detail in terms of why we've kind of come to that inclusion. Um, Again, it is still a part of what the CrossFit training methodology centers around, right? We tested what is fitness really in 2007. We tested intensity in 2008, which really didn't lend up being the most appropriate test for the fittest on earth. And then in 2009, we tackled the unknown and unknowable. So there's been a lot of that um, themes over the last three years. Now we move into 2010, you know, we're going to go event by event and look at it based off the um, the programming itself and also through the eyes of 2010, because, you know, how you label some weights as heavy now is a lot different how you label them back in 2010, <laughs> especially with some of the gymnastic skills that come up later down the road. So we'll get into it right off the bat. The uh, first three years where they were only two day competitions. In 2007, there were three events total. Eight, uh, 2008, there were four. And then 2009, there were eight total events over the span of two days. This is the first time they had a three-day competition starting off on Friday night, which was held in the tennis stadium. And it was the event that has now infamous Amanda and Amanda is 975 of muscle-ups, uh, ring muscle-ups, and squat snatches at 135 and 95. It was the first time that workout was ever unveiled to the CrossFit public that became the first event of the 2010 CrossFit Games. And it was, I mean, one, it was a memorial event, which was, I thought was interesting from a, a, a from Amanda, who was a games athlete at Aroma. So they had all these great shots of her, um, you know, running up the hill and dealing with all that. But then the spectacle of what it was, it was a round rig so that everyone was around the rig and they would do on the inside was where the muscle ups happened. And on the outside is they had all the bars circled around that. So it was truly like a crazy spectacle as far as CrossFit goes. I mean, everything CrossFit is forward and backwards, up and down, nice straight, you know, rig that goes in a, in a rectangle. And this was so not that. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that we had the events happening as the sun is going down and the lights are coming up. They had the, you know, the, the, uh, air force airplane coming up over the top and just, you know, doing a, a, a flyby for us. And it like, it became, I think that's when the it became spectacle, what it, is. it was the spectacle and that was the perfect the show. spectacle to start with. And, and we say that with endearment because like any sport, part of the, the draw is the spectacle of the sport. I mean, you go to an NFL game and it's that national anthem with the flyover yeah. at the very end. You know, what, and what they did and what they've done in the past is they've started events on the flyover. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they've done really cool things like that. And so what that was is was the birth of not just only the legitimacy of the sport, but the spectacle that would become the CrossFit Games. It wasn't really happening there in 2010. 
because of the move, it, you know, there was not a lot of people there in the stands. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying event one with Amanda, um, they used the same um, unknown and unknowable element at the 2010 game. So uh, uh, behind the scenes is that all the athletes were sequestered underneath the tennis stadium. And an hour before the event was to start, Dave Castro announced the event. And so he goes, here's Amanda, here's muscle-ups. It's like, you know, everyone's looking around. It's like, whatever. And then squat snatches at 135 and 95, it didn't really bother anybody because, you know, snatches are snatches. But 135 and 95 at the time was enough to throw some people off for a loop that didn't have the technique down because you can't really fake a squat snatch. You can fake a power snatch, <laughs> but it's really hard to fake a squat snatch, especially under fatigue. Um, and then of course, in a extra wrinkle, Dave Castro says to everybody, the rings will be set six inches out of your extended reach, which changed everything. Yeah, Because prior to that, you could set your rings anywhere you want and everybody was false gripping and you could have like this you know, as long as you turned your wrists and your knuckles out and that went into it. it, they didn't really care how you got up there. And so, right, you know, one hour before this event goes on that we know is going to be a sprint, he says the rings are going to be six inches out of your one outstretched arm to the fingertips. So you are jumping almost a foot in the air to try to get to these rings. And that in the warm up area was the birthplace of the non false grip muscle up. And that was the start of the 2010 games. And it was because it was so crazy sitting back and watching everybody jump up and then they would take the next 15 seconds as they're trying to hike their hands up on the rings. And, you know, back then. Yeah, some people refused to change. And you remember, like a lot of the rings they had, and I think Tanya actually talked about this one for the 2009, that they had the fixed webbing. Mm. So you would hike up way high on the corner of that you kind of make your hand up and it wouldn't slide down but these ones weren't that way so everyone was like hiking up and they're literally looking like they're climbing rope yeah because the the old ones rolling down and rolling down and rolling down the old ones the straps actually went through through the the ring so the ring wouldn't move and so that's what uh, what bill's talking about so that was the uh you know most people don't know that is that you know non-false grip muscle-ups weren't a thing until the 2010 CrossFit Games, and you should have seen the warm-up area. It was fantastic. You just had, you know, 50 people standing around the best muscle-ups uh, athletes there, like you know Chris Spieler. Um, Chris Spieler was really the guy at the time that just could yeah. dance on the rings. So, again, trying to figure it out on the fly. That little extra wrinkle thrown out by Dave Castro. So, when we look at the event by the numbers. We have a couplet, gymnastics, weightlifting. I would say weightlifting in terms of light, medium, and heavy. That would be a medium at the time. Um, Even though it was low volume, 135 and 95 with that coupled with the rings, especially how they did it, it got tough. Go back and watch the video. It's not pretty. (laughs) I think it's great, man. What are you talking about? At least go back and watch Jason Kalipa. I'm getting off track, but go watch Jason Kalipa, Amanda, it's amazing. You almost killed a cameraman with a barbell. Um, sub five minutes is your time frame. Low ru- low reps under fifty. A uh, couplet we said before. We have got muscle ups and squat snatches. So that's event one. It was Friday night. It was only one event, and that moved into um, Saturday. I think um, 
if, you know, all little story time with event number one is that you got to come out to your name being called. Um, and they had like little highlight videos for you guys. And, you know, I didn't get to see that, but what for me was really special was that, um, my whole family was there, but more importantly, like my dad was there and, you know, my dad is, you know, like super athlete, my hero, like my dad was the first superhero I've ever met. And, you know, he's an amazing athlete. He got drafted in the NFL and that's something I always wanted to be, but you know, puberty didn't, was not kind to me. <laughs> so that wasn't really in the cards in high school in terms of becoming a football player, but, uh, making it to that, to the games for me was my, um, I would say Olympic moment, right? That was, that was the, uh, the highest level of sport that I got to qualify for. And what was really cool is to have my dad in the stands on Friday night, seeing me come out in that way. So that, that was a, that was a cool thing for me. <clears throat> now I want to move that into the next day is that the next day was uh, Saturday morning. And when they started off with, um, pyramid Helen, which okay. Helen is actually my, Helen is actually my favorite CrossFit workout. Really? Um, yeah. And, and only because of it's, it's simple. It's perfect. And I think if I were to tell anyone, you know, when they ask you what CrossFit is, I'd try to describe Helen to them. Right? It's got weightlifting, gymnastics, monostructural, super intense skill, a little bit of weightlifting. You know, you don't want to throw like heavy back squats at a newbie. But when I try to bring CrossFit to someone in terms of how to describe it, I try to describe Helen to them about what CrossFit is. I love That's Helen. Great. That's crazy because I honestly was never a fan of Helen only because I was never a fast enough runner to be able to get a good time in Helen. Mm. Like for me, for me, like I'm better at pull-ups, mm -hmm. but if you have something with that few pull-ups in it, like I don't have a, I don't have a chance. It comes right. down to a running event. And so I remember watching like, you know, James Fitzgerald do these like insane under seven minute times or whatever the heck he was doing back then. I, I remember the video of him just crushing it. And I'm like, I'll never do that. But when this came out, I like this because now the volume, yeah, there was a lot more running, but it wasn't a sprint running anymore. No. It was a lot of running and it was high volume in everything. And it was a lot of kettlebell swings and it was a lot of pull-ups. Mm -hmm. And so now that the idea of Helen really kind of disappears. Oh yeah. And it turns into a very high volume event where, and, and it was funny because everyone heard, well, it's basically like a triple Helen. And there were people that tried to come out like Helen. Yeah. And no. it buried them, buried them. <laughs> and when you think so this was kind of the first time where they did a twist on a classic benchmark workout, but you know, bumped it up, up a little bit. We saw that later down the road at regionals and even the games uh, a couple of years ago or after that with, um, that, uh, Nicole, it's like nasty uh, Nicole oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that yeah. or naughty Nicole. I can't remember. Yeah. But so what it was, was a 1200 meter run into 63 kettlebell swings followed by 36 pull-ups. So that is triple Helen. And then you right. went, or no, yes, that's a full Helen yeah. in, in one block. The next round was 842, 24, which is two rounds of Helen. Mm -hmm. 
And in the last round, it was a classic single round of hell. And Helen's only three rounds. It was four to meter run, 21 kettlebell swings, 12 pull-ups. Um, now going out to that event, personally for me, as I was pumped, it was my favorite workout. I was one of very, uh, one of the first men in CrossFit to break seven. Like that's how, like that was a cool thing for me to kind of be a part of. Yeah, dude. That's um, why I hated that event. And not many people <laughs> still, can still do that. So I'm, no. I'm kind of pumped about that. Um, but go, also the cool thing was, is that they, uh, they made you say your name in what gym, um, you were from before the event, Miranda Oldroyd was going down the line and, you know, who are you and where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And it, it was my dad's birthday. So I didn't say my name. I just got to tell my dad happy birthday. Like that was for me, that was, uh, you're so sad. I am. I'm such a, like, I gotta, I gotta move on really quickly. Cause I'm like, I'm a big emotional crier. I'm not a big pain crier. Um, so, so moving on, that was my, there's my story. Um, so, so, as, so as things started, you know, it's funny is that, you know, the old school games, Dave Castro ran the schedule, ran the show, changed workouts on the fly. And this was my first experience of what 60 seconds means to Dave Castro. <laughs> <laughs> oh so my we're, we're on the starting line <clears throat> and you know we're, we're walking up the starting line and my shoelace is coming loose and i was like well I, i'm not gonna run my shoe is gonna fly off so he goes 60 seconds i'm like okay i'll tie my shoe so i reached down to start tying my shoe and he goes three two one go and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> you said 60 seconds and then Five seconds later, it was three, two, one, go. So everybody leaves, and I'm the only jackass on the starting line tying my shoe. So I'm already behind the eight ball, trying to chase down Jace Kalipa's lumbering bear in front of me the entire way. So that's my um, Pyramid Helen story. So now with Pyramid Helen, there's actually a second component to this event. And what it was was when you finish, you have two minutes of, was it two minutes of rest or it was straight into? No, you had two minutes. No, you had. Upon finishing, you had two minutes. It was the time. They had the time limit. If you made the time limit, then it went directly after that time into it. Yeah. So if you, if you, you had time, that was your rest time. If you came in right at the end. No, 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 no. no. And they made you go right over to it. No, it was, you had a two minute clock. Two, so there's 22 minute time cap, two minutes on top of that, and then you went. Mm. I think said. no, I right think you it. finished, and it was two minutes. Oh, from the time you yes. finished, yes. Oh, I get you. So get here's you. how it goes: it was basically a two scored event, Pyramid Helen. When you finished, you had a two minutes to find a one rep max shouldered overhead. Um, you can go front rack, back rack. It didn't really matter. Um, so there was like a weird element in terms of how hard should you sell out on Pyramid Helen and leave something for the jerk. Um, but let's look at Pyramid Helen first. Okay, so we have uh, a triplet, gymnastics, weightlifting, monostructural, um, Long, it was uh, 11 to 20 minutes, uh, high volume, really high volume. Triplet, task priority, you have pull-ups, kettlebell swings, and running. So we're, you know, 
got a different time domain than we had the night before, two gymnastic movements in back-to-back events, which is perfectly fine, especially after 2009, where we didn't have a gymnastics movement until day two. Um, and so once you move from that, right, we had a short rep scheme, high intense event Friday night. We had a very long, high volume event to start the morning straight into a one rep max shouldered overhead. Um, and that kind of changed the tone for a lot of people. Um, when you guys go back and look at the numbers, it's actually really funny is what we thought was strong back in the day. And it, the, the time frame changed a lot. And so that, that was a, that was a tough thing to work around w- when it came to that, but it was a, well, a great event. No, it was, I, I thought it was awesome the way it was set up. Cause it, if you, if you whittle it down, it breaks it down again to the, the okay, let's, let's take your best runner. Let's take your endurance athlete and let's see how strong they are let's take your strong athlete and do they have a a a you know a metabolic capacity that they can keep up with these guys that are going to run and do these you know body weight movements like i love the way that they paired it together it's interesting how people fared out Mm -hmm. like if you watch who won if you look at on the guy's side who won the uh, the one rep max overhead? It was DJ Wickham. He he yep. did three hundred twenty five pounds, beastly. But where did he finish on the double Helen? So he finished all the way down at the bottom, second to last at twenty four minutes. Twenty four twelve is what he got. Mm-hmm. But then it's crazy. So then you look at someone like Graham Holmberg, who, okay, now this guy has been overlooked so many times yes. because of you know Rich coming right after him, <clears throat> but. You know, Graham won this year. He was the champ this year. Graham Holmberg was first in the in the uh, double Helen. He beats Chris Spieler by three seconds. I mean, those guys. I remember watching those guys sprinting to the end, and then after that, he still is able to he ties. No, it was third place, two eighty five. on the max overhead. I mean, that's beastly compared to everyone. What everyone else was doing here, that's mm-hmm. insane. Insane. But I love I love the pairing. I think that's a great pairing. We got and the thing is that we looked before, um, at like the 2009 games weren't the uh, the high the the high technical skills didn't come till the very end, right? And here we are. We start right away. High skill lifting, high skill gymnastics. Then we get into heavy duty on the endurance, and we go right into the all right. You have like let's push it up there. See how heavy you can go. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like the already within three events i'm already like we have a totally different race going on oh yeah now now we're testing who the actual fittest people are and i thought that was that was an amazing start and the importance of that is that there are cuts right they still had cuts in 2010 and the problem with 2009 is that you didn't test gymnastics until you cut to 16 people yep yeah, and that would have been and huge. Five events. You tested five events, had it or you didn't have it. Exactly. Yeah. You tested five events, and not one of those centered around a gymnastics movement. Yeah, and you made a cut from seventy plus to sixteen, and then you introduced gymnastics. So what was good here, at least to start, was that exactly like you said, Yik, ring muscle ups with a. Very challenging new skill to learn on the fly. Squat snatches under fatigue. High volume with running, 
pull-ups, kettlebell swings, and then a heavy lift, boom, 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 and three events, and you've yet to make a cut, you know, yeah. that is the important thing to look at. You know, and then we talk about shoulder overhead, we're not going to belabor that event is that, you know, it's just one rep max, do as much as you can. You had two minutes to get it done and, you know, it's, you lift it as much as possible. So event one, Chris Spieler one, um, for the men. Uh, Chris and Clever was, uh, she won on the women's side. Chris Clever on the women's side. And you just said Graham Holmberg wins, um, duh, pyramid double Helen. And Annie Thorstadter wins it on the women's side. Okay, Annie Thorstadter. Jeez. You may have heard of her. I don't know. I mean, it's crazy because it, you, you go back and look at these, especially on this one, and you see, you know, Annie who's in the mix on a lot of stuff. And, you know, and back in the day, Chris Clever, like on the women's side, Chris Clever dominated, especially like around this realm, she dominated events. It didn't matter what it was. Like she was stronger than oh, everyone. Man, she, she was, was crushing she people that year. Skills. Like she was nuts to watch i mean she was just so good so good and so that three events now after the fourth event coming up is when the first cut is going to happen so i think i want to say how many men were there total at the beginning there mm-hmm. were uh 45 okay men. so they were cutting to 24 i believe yeah. it was the first cut they were going to make and that is after event number four which I was on the, so I, I didn't fare great in Pyramid Double Heaven, Helen, which is really weird because I was good at all that, but I just didn't have a good event. And then in the max overhead, you know, we were talking earlier is that I totally, I could do 245, but after Pyramid Double Hell, and I wasn't sure how I was going to fare. So I got up to 225 in the warm-up area without much of a problem whatsoever. Um, but the problem was is that I finished Helen and I wasn't wearing a shirt. So when I go to the shoulder overhead, I went from 135 to 205, which was nothing at the time for me. And I go to dip and it slides off my shoulders. And I, and I you know, you kind of stunts your lockout. So I missed that. Bar hits the ground. I try to power clean it, put it in the rack. Rack falls over. 15 seconds later, my time is up. It was a disaster. <laughs> and, you know, and there's a reason why I don't really talk about the games because the next event, I was like, okay, whatever this event is, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sell out and just try to make that cut. And lo and behold, of course, it would be an event that has 315 pound freaking deadlifts in it. With sound effect, sound effect. I know. I, I can. I don't even know what this one is. I'm gonna try. Womp, womp, womp. That was me. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> and someone asked me how the deadlift event went. This is this is what they get. <laughs> so I am notoriously awful with deadlifts. I have a horrible history of failing events that have deadlifts in them. It's just something I am not good at, and I don't care for. Maybe that I don't care for, which is why I'm not good at. That's neither here nor there. So the event was an AMRAP in seven minutes and it was quick, fast, which also didn't play to my strengths because, you know, I was a a more of an endurance athlete. And so it was an AMRAP in seven minutes, seven deadlifts at 315 and 205, a short jog across the tennis court, 14 alternating pistols, 21 double unders, and then a sprint back to the bar. 
And watching these guys do this event before my heat went, I immediately knew I was not going to make the cut. <laughs> I was like, did you check, did you check their bars? It Guys was, can do seven in a row. <laughs> well, and that was, I remember seeing this event and looking at the numbers and, you know, we, we were calling this, we were calling this one and I was like, oh damn, 315 pounds, like repping it out. These guys are going to have to rep. I mean, at the out. time, that, that was, again, was a like that. That's where all weight. those numbers started. That's where those numbers started changing to where this became the new two twenty five, where people were having to, you know, get to this level to move it like this, and they went so fast. And then, like going from that to pistols, which kind of blew everyone's mind because it's not like right. everyone was doing a whole lot of pistols then. And then, you know, like twenty one double unders now doesn't seem like much. But back then, I remember people thinking like, okay, how are we going to test this out? How do we have to do the double unders? How, how do we have to, how are we going to jump? Let me practice this. Let me practice that. So this was a very, there was a lot of uniqueness to this event, even though it seems super, super simple. Um, you know, again, it's just a seven deadlifts, 14. Like if you were to say this now, it's not that big. Oh of a yeah, deal. no. But back then, like there was a, oh man, okay. Here we go. This is oh, hold no on to your butt. Gonna go like here. Let's do it. And it was like it was nuts, man. It was you saw people blowing their backs out. Me and I mean it. In okay, so you look at like your <laughs> your your top athletes. They were they were getting five rounds, five into the fifth round or mm -hmm. into the sixth round. That's that's what forty two ish deadlifts at that weight at the three fifteen and the two hundred five, which is a lot. That's that was, and that was a lot. But back then. then, that was insane that you had to move. And you only had seven, like seven minutes. The, the fact that you're compressing that many of those deadlifts into that short amount of time, like that mm -hmm. was, this was a major test. It was a big one. It was a big one. And the time frame dictated the intensity based off the movements that were all packed in there. You're talking about <clears throat> seven deadlifts pistols, double unders, you know, it was all small, but like, you know, when they throw pistols out there, I was like, well, I guess I'm doing double unders and lifters today. Right. <laughs> and everybody did. There were so many people out there that had those. <laughs> everybody had their lifters out in that. So all you heard was these wooden shoes clip clopping on the ground. Cause they didn't have like the, you know, the, the crazy like plastic and stuff like that. Everyone's doings were out there smacking mm -hmm. on the ground, you know? Um, so after the, you, you look at that and it, I'm going to say it's just a triplet. I'm not going to count the shuttle across the competition floor, but it was another tennis state event, which is super cool. Five to seven minute range, high reps, actually 200 plus 242 was yep. the winning rep scheme on the men's side where Mr. Rich Froning, and we'll put the junior in there because it was Rich Froning Jr. at the time. Now it's just Rich Froning. Don't you want to say Rich Frowning? Rich Frowning, yeah. The, uh, so, you know, to Bill's <laughs> point is like, Dave Castro was an MC at the 2010 <laughs> CrossFit Games. But he was only an MC. I mean, he was still, he was, he was the mastermind behind, but he wanted to MC it as well. And I think he lasted two events before he couldn't speak anymore. Because yeah. he was yelling into the mic the whole time. <laughs> and I think he was the only one doing it. Well, they, yeah, he, they didn't really he, have a bunch he, of guys there to to do that job. He would push, he would push so hard when he's yelling, because he's getting everyone fired up, which is cool. But the funny thing was like he would mess up so many names 
repeatedly. And I know, I mean, and I'll I mean, say, I'll names that we didn't know at the time names all the time, but it's funny when you like, if you were to say rich frowning right now, people would look at you like, what the hell frowning, frowning, frowning. I mean, oh my God. so, so rich, so rich won, and he tied with Austin Maliolo, another name that was just, just rolled off the tongue in 2010 for everybody okay. <laughs> <laughs> and surprise, surprise, they had to deal with deadlifts. So, um, they, the men that was on the men's side, Annie and Chris, again, they battled on the women's side. So Annie won that one again, 234 reps. Chris clever was 227. And then, uh, Christy Phillips Atkins, Christy Phillips back then. Um, she was third at that t- actually tied with Chris at 227. Hmm. I d- it was, I remember that battle, like the sun was just setting. So it was like in the, in the late afternoon, early, early evening. Um, and these guys just sprinting back and forth, guys and girls just moving so fast back and forth. I mean, five, five plus rounds, all, all those. Athletes. Oh, it was nuts. And so after event four, they cut down to 24 and that was the end of my CrossFit game. So, which is why I don't talk about it because, <laughs> you know, I, I did, <clears throat> I did, uh, I did four events at the CrossFit games and then watched the rest of them from the stands. Um, but it was a great experience and, I, and I'm proud of, of doing that, but that's, that's another big reason of why I don't, um, talk about it very much. So 2010, the the hard part was then is that, you know, that was the event where I knew I had to do really well on and I didn't. And the next event was something I actually would have loved. And you talk about one of the most outside the box, unique, new tests. It was the sandbag event where they put... uh, well, anyway, a couple hundred just, pounds of sandbags on one side of the stadium, and they just said, move it over to the other side. Yeah, and I love how simple it was. Uh, I think it worked so well at the fact that there weren't a whole lot of people in the stands. And I mean, I don't know yeah. if they were counting on that or what, but they were able to, I mean, you literally, they had to cordon off one, less than a quarter, but about a quarter of the stands on one side to set these sandbags and they were, they were, you know, different, different sizes, all, you know, 600 pounds of sandbags for the guys, 370 pounds for the girls at these different sizes, all the way up the stands on one side. So you had to start up at the top, bring them all down, put them in a wheelbarrow, wheel them across the floor, get them out of the wheelbarrow, put them up over the wall, which I mean, again, what I loved about it is it was very task oriented. It didn't care if you were uh, height challenged and if you were height challenged, then you had to figure out, okay, how am I going to stand on, you know, something to get these sandbags up and over the wall. Then once you got them all up and over the wall, you had to drag them all the way up to the top of the stands on the other side. So So it was a simple setup. Of course it was not flawed with, with goofy little things because I don't think you could have planned what happened. I mean, there were a couple of the, uh, there's a couple the, the wheelbarrow malfunctions like, broke on the fly. <laughs> I believe, I think it was Matt Chan's wheelbarrow. Oh man. Well, and I think who, who was it? I think it was, uh, it was, a, was it Robert Lando who his broke and someone finished and no, that, I think that was grabbed. Matt Chan. I think that was Matt Chan. Oh, it was a Chan. Okay. Yeah. I think his, so his wheelbarrow peg, 
or or whatever you know you set it down on bent over and just collapsed and so he ran down and and took someone else's because i mean that was an equipment (laughs) malfunction that had nothing to do with his performance however that was the only way to get him across the tennis court at the time other than carrying them yourself but you you had to use the wheelbarrow but um, what was great about it was it forced it forced these athletes to try to come up with ways to complete the task as fast as possible. So if you did see someone that was a little shorter on the wall when they were having to get up on the other side, you saw them building a platform mm-hmm. with the lighter bag so that they could hoist the heavier bags up over the wall. You saw different styles of throwing the tech of throwing the bag up over top. Some people just trying to heave it. Some people turned around backwards trying to like launch it up like uh, strongman style. Um, you would see athletes throwing bags up on their shoulder and dragging other ones, trying to get as, you know, be as efficient as possible. And that's, that's what I thought was so great about it. It was, this was not anything that anyone could have practiced anywhere. And I think that that's one of the most amazing events. I I think the, the best events out there are ones that you cannot practice in your gym. I agree. It's like, let's truly test your fitness. And this was one that truly did that. It was, it's similar to the, the stake event of 2009, same idea, obviously much, much bigger, uh, a a scope, but the idea was the same. It's like, you have never done this in a competition, but it worked by this one. Oh, it worked great. It was so cool. Amazing to watch. And and that was, you talked to Dave and that was an event that he'd always wanted to do is like, here's a bunch of weight over there, move it over there as fast as you can. Because when you think about the, the purpose of the, you know, CrossFit training methodology, it's, it's, it's designed directly around that, right? Yeah. You like move large lows, long distances quickly, bam, that's your, oh. you know, that's your CrossFit definition to the T, you know, and, and that's what it was. And for me, that was, that was the hardest part, um, personally is because I know that was a great event for me and it looked so fun and I was so upset that I had to sit in the stands and watch that. So I got super bitter as anyone, as anyone would, but, uh, I love that event. I wish I got to do it, but, um, a great event. So when you look at it from the numbers perspective, it's basically a single modality. You know, I, I don't really know how to categorize it per se. I'd say it's, it's a, it's a heavy weightlifting event. Combined with monostructural, yeah, in a certain extent, because you know you're dragging this. You know, it'd be like a heavy weighted run with a sandbag. So we'll we'll put that. It's um within that seven to ten minute time frame. Um, who are your winners? So Tommy Hackenbrook won for the guys. Uh, man, that's that's a Hackenbrook event. I tell you what, totally. Well, it's it's a this is it's a workhorse event. And that's what Tommy, I mean, he was a football player. He just, he was a brute force, uh, athlete. That was, that was what, if there was grunt work to do. He's a very blue collar athlete. I would say that's Hackenbrook. Yeah. That guy was so much fun. And the only guy to talk shit to other people at the games and like really try to egg people on. Nobody would, ha- nobody it, would, you know, nobody never, would give it back to him though. Never in a, it was never in a dick way. Oh no. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, when he made it back, like, and we're, we're, you know, we'll jump a couple years when he came back to the games, mm-hmm. it was like, I remember like I, I sat down and had a conversation with him. I'm like, you're the only one talking shit to rich. Thank God. Like right. someone has to like, that's what sport but he is. Backed like, it up, you have to, and where, it was where he's not, it wasn't, he wasn't yeah, a bad guy about yes, it. Yes, Exactly. 
It was like, let's go, man. I'm coming for you. It was everyone fun. Everyone else is scared. It's and awesome. he wasn't scared. And he and he no. backed it up. And he, uh, we're gonna we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like so, you know, to, you know, he's just a fun, fun dude, good dude, great athlete. So he wins. Annie Thoris' daughter um, wins on the women's side, and we, we move from that. Um, that kind of concludes day two. So that was the last event Saturday night. And we move from day two to the third and final day. And that kicks off with one of the most unique movements no one had ever even conceived of being possible. (laughs) Unless they looked at the CrossFit.com website. Which is a theme that will go (laughs) down the lines for years to come at the CrossFit Games. And it was the couplet of ring handstand push-ups and power cleans starting off yep. the third and final day. Now, granted, they, they only made it where the guys had to do the rings. Um, the women were doing, and this is what's crazy. Like the women started off with deficit strict handstand pushups. I mean, imagine back then we're oh, jumping man. back to 2010 and we're doing deficit strict handstand pushups. That would be, that would be tough for the guys, let alone for the girls. And I mean, it was, it was, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Again, like the, the idea was super cool to see, but you can tell that a lot of the, what kind of loopholes are you going to fall into with a particular event happened. Um, You know, how you can very easily use your legs to pull yourself up if no one says you're not allowed to use your legs. And at the time, no one had really done it. So the ones that figured that out, like uh, like uh, Spencer Hendel, he figured that out that like right away, if you grab with your legs, you can pull your body up real, mm-hmm. real easy. I mean, unless you're just really, really good at handstand pushups. Uh, but he figured that out. There were a lot of athletes and the way they had you set up was the rings, I think, were like three or four inches off the ground. So yes. you could go into a headstand. I think they had at mass down there, there too <clears throat> for you to bring your yeah. head down to. Yeah. And I mean, and it was crazy because you'd see, you'd see guys going to headstands and literally fall all the way through the rings. Yes. Because they had, oh I, my mean, gosh. I, I mean, and this is one DJ Wickham was on this one. He was all over the place trying to get his feet attached to the rope, to the, uh, the, the straps on the rings, just trying to get up there. It was nuts on that, on, on the guy's side, on the girl's side. I mean, so this was the first year that Camille uh, LeBlanc Bazinet was was made her made her showing, and she was very you know giggly and smiley and all that kind of stuff. And whenever there was a gymnastic event, like she did really really well. And this oh was yeah, she I did mean, really well in um, you know with those handstand pushups. So it was it was cool to see her rep those out. Um, again, you know Chris Spieler. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Chris Clever was very good at hand. She was great at gymnastic movements, and she was strong. So the cleans and the and, you know in the deficit handstand pushups did nothing for her. She she crushed that event. She beat Val Vobral, who was next up. She beat her by almost 30 seconds. Jeez. Like that's a crushing in that event. It's 337. She beat 337. Yeah, Graham oh. Holberg won on the guys' side at 427. Uh, Chris Spieler was right behind him by one second. Now, now granted, it, it was rings versus deficit. So that, totally. that was a... No, totally, totally. Now, I think this is kind of the first time where I look at a movement and they didn't really have 
too many standards in this one. They, they did later. But I think for a ring handstand push-up, you just look at that and treat it like a burpee. L- let's not make it complicated. It's like touch your, you know, wh- whatever the standards were in terms of head, you know, was it head to the mat? Yeah. Fine. Shoulders to the rings, whatever. But arms and legs extended at the top. Get down, get up. We don't really care yep. how you do it. Um, yep. I don't think there really was any of that in 2010. We'll kind of see that come to play later right. <laughs> down the road. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to like we'll foreshadow a yeah. little bit, not foreshadow. But this, but it was crazy because there were one of the questions that uh, that they were that the athletes were asked if they did well was okay. What did you think about the hand, the the ring handstand push up? And most of the ones that did okay were the ones that said, "Well, you know, I saw it once." on the dot-com site. I didn't do it. I saw it again. I'm thinking, well, maybe I should really try it. And then I saw it one more time and I was like, okay, I need to make sure I know how to do this. So I remember seeing a video of Tommy Hackenbrook just taking time and going rep after rep after rep, trying to get that handstand push up down. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, is when they said, when they had the ring handstand push up on the website, it didn't say that the rings are going to be four inches off the ground or whatever. Right. It just said, handstand push-ups on the rings hmm. so everyone had these like different ways of setting it up like you know are you going to do a muscle up into it are you good is it going to be like right. at waist level and just kind of kick into it is it going to be on the ground like it was at the games um i think the the shot at the games was their version of saying when dave programmed it and this is i mean i'm totally speculating but i'm thinking that it's like okay this is the easiest way to get in them for everyone. That's why we're going to put them down there. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I mean, it was a really, really cool event, but it also, this was the, this was the moment where events were starting to, to, I don't want to say border, but this was the first time that haters would start to talk about, yeah. okay, are we, turning, are we getting circusy now? Is it going to right. turn into a circus event? And I personally feel, I don't think that this was a circus event. I think no. it was a good it was a good attempt. I think later I my personal opinion is it what it didn't do the same the thing, same thing that it needed to, but here I thought it did. Here I thought yeah. it was a let's do something that we kind of hinted to you about. Yeah. Well, we're going to see if you've been working on it or do you just choose not to do it because you're like, "Oh, that's stupid and I'm not good at it. I'm going to choose not to do it." And that's what I think. That's what I think the background on that one was I, I didn't have a problem with it per se. I just wasn't a big fan <clears throat> of the movement. I think, <clears throat> I mean, it I was a fun test, but it wasn't my favorite movement to throw out there. I'm, I, I've never hated on the event per se. It just wasn't, it just wasn't my favorite one and not one that I would, if they never did that again, I wouldn't care. <laughs> If they did it again, I'd kind of now. be like, eh, all right. Um, but so they you would do it now. The the one thing, oh, I would do it. I'm just saying, I I I don't care for it. So uh-huh. the the other thing that people forget is the the power cleans that they had in there, three cleans at two oh five and one thirty five. That was a heavy clean. That was heavy to to throw in the mix. Heavy. So it was seven rounds, three cleans at two oh five and one thirty five, then four of the handstand pushups. And, and once again, we come to another event that has a nice balance between high skill gymnastics and then strength at the same time. So going into the start of day number three, they come at you with seven rounds of this, this new challenging gymnastic movement coupled with a, you know, a classic 
strength move, but the back and forth, it, it added up. So you, you, know, I think, you gotta, I think that's why I think that's why I like the event. I, I can't pull it apart based on the fact of the you know the 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 oddity of the ring handstand push. I like the blend of the two, mm-hmm. the very the very gymnasticy and the very heavy lift at the time. I and and it's and you're, you you got to go for it. So it, it pushes you into some realms that you right. can get yourself into trouble. And I that's what I mean. Like it, it, right. as far as a single event, like I I think it's cool. I, I love I love those types of things where you have mm-hmm. you have the two bookends of uh, of an athlete. It isn't like the oh here's a nice general. You got some running. You got some sort of weight. You got right. some like whatever pull ups. No, this is like we're on, we're on either sides of the of the spectrum, man. I. Those are cool. I like it. It was one of those where the, the rep scheme also dictated the pace of the, the event. Three yep. cleans, four handstand pushups, back and forth for seven rounds. Like, you know, that those are the the <clears throat> subtle um intricacies that I think are so cool and elegant about certain events is that, you know, they'll program events where they'll dictate the pace to you just based off how they um set the rep scheme. So we move yeah. from the morning event into when was the next cut? Was it after the next event? I think it was. It was after that. It was, it was after that, that one. Yep. So they so cut they, from twenty four to sixteen. Your final sixteen. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so that was yes, because the final was a three part event. So they cut down yeah. to sixteen as they move into the final event. But what it was and. Again, nobody knew what these events were. This was another unknown and unknowable weekend where they were only briefed these maybe an hour before they started. And what they did unique here is they took all the (laughs) athletes and basically sequestered them into a locker room in the tennis stadium. They took their phones. They, They basically, they came out to the floor and had no idea what the event was, no idea how many there were, and no idea how they were going to be scored or judged, really. And so they came or out. Or even what to take out. Right. Or like, you know, do I need lifting shoes? Do I need my straps? Do exactly. I need my, do I need my belt? Do I need, what do I need? Which I loved. Yeah. I loved it because, all right, um, okay, who's the fittest person here? It shouldn't matter. Do this as fast as you can. Okay, whatever. I'll do it. Yeah. And th- right. do we have any more after this? Because you know, you know, they they said they tell you what event one is, and you don't know how to pace that because you don't know what event two is. And so they they come out for the final. They walk out to the floor, and Dave legit, legitimately goes three rounds for time, thirty hand release push ups. Oh, let's let me backtrack. The setup for this final event, what was on the floor of the tennis stadium, was uh, this a spectacle. Because on, on one of the side of the competition floor, we'll say if you're looking at your dashboard from left to right, was a 15-foot high wall with ropes hanging off of it that stretched the width of the floor. That was it. In the middle of the tennis stadium was a pull-up rig. And there were barbells in, uh, everywhere, but we didn't know if the barbells were for this thing or for that thing. And then on the other side was a row of six-foot-high walls and this scaffolding of ropes hanging <laughs> 20 feet 
things that we've never <laughs> seen. And so you it's walk out, out here. <laughs> and the problem is the, the athletes came out on the, on the high wall side. They couldn't see anything behind them unless they went around, which they didn't have time. So when they walked out, they walk out to this 15 foot high wall with ropes hanging off of it, having no idea what's about to come. And Dave goes, okay, three rounds for time, 30 hand release pushups over the wall, 21 overhead squats at 95 and 65 back over the wall. Time cap seven minutes, go. Legitimately, here's the workout, go. So, yeah. And th- that's all they knew. They know they had seven minutes to, uh, that was an, almost a near impossible task to finish that yeah. event in seven minutes. 30 hand release push ups over a 15 foot wall, 21 overhead squats at 95 and 65, back over the wall for three rounds in seven minutes. I think only a handful of guys actually. A handful of people, anyone, finished that yeah. event. And what was, yeah. I think, Rich's undoing, because Rich was going and leading this at the time. I think what his he undoing was. was is that he was determined to win that event. The problem was that he did. And there was another event after that. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and it's, it's funny because if you think, if you think about this, I mean, those that remember like, you know, the chaos event in the, uh, in the 2018 games, it's the same, same idea. Like you don't know, you just have to go and rich went. I mean, and he was, you know, he needed to do well, um, in the event and he was going for it. And it was really cool to watch them go because they went after it i mean mm-hmm. they went oh after man it. and well, like push-ups and, and light over red squats to, whatever oh i mean because it's yeah it sounds like nothing you know in this another classic kind of trap this was back in the day where you would put push-ups in a competitive event that's something that's not murph i mean if it's not murph you don't you're not going to see push-ups very regularly you know not at the crossfit games but here like okay we're going to blast you with 90 hand release pushups and you have to make sure that you're stable after all the stuff you've already done. Um, and it was interesting watching that wall because a lot of these people have never touched a rope or never Spartan races weren't big back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were just kind of getting started. So it's not like there were a whole lot of people that climbed a rope over a 15 foot wall, you know, and trying to make it up and right. over that thing. So that was event one, rich Froning wins. He edges out Chris Spieler on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, Chris Clever. Yep. And she gets, what, two reps ahead of Annie Thor's daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Annie had a great games. But yeah, no no one was stopping Chris that year. And so they finish it, seven-minute cap, and they all walk to the middle, to which Dave goes, next event. Three rounds for time, 30 toes to bar, followed by 21 ground overhead using the same bars that they just did. So the weights were all the same. So like I said, is even if you look down the line, you didn't know the weight differences or even what rigs or or walls they were used for. And they could do clean and jerks or they could do power snatches. It was up to them. But when when you think about what they just did is that, you know, all those climbs over the wall, super grippy. Oh, blowing man. up the arms, even the a handstand or the push-ups, and then going into overhead squats, holding that bar overhead. 
So these guys go to the pull-up rig at go. Again, it was, here's the workout, go. No time to game plan. No time to strategize. 30 toes to bar after what just happened. It annihilated people. There was well, a lot again, of big eyes early, this was early, early on. days of pacing, too. People didn't know how to really pace. I don't think that really word is actually in the CrossFit then. dictionary <clears throat> in 2010. You know, yeah, yeah it, was, it was three, two, one, go, pukey status. Boom. Like high intensity. That means it's all out. So people were legitimately trying to get as close to 30 unbroken toes to bar as they could possibly get. And they did. And it smashed them. I mean, everyone, everyone that has toes to bar, even if you're good at toes to bar, everyone knows that like, okay, go ahead and out a set real fast mm-hmm. and then see if you can match that right after you do 21 ground overhead. It, it's not going to happen. And no. it didn't happen. And that's why, you know, these guys would get into that second round. And that was, I mean, that was basically it. Now, the girl side was a little bit different, but I mean, still, it buried people. But I, I really honestly think if you were to put this event at people right now today, the first thing that they would see is 21 ground to overhead, 95 and 65. Oh, yeah. No big deal. But the, the toes to bar and what that ended up happening is that after event one, for a lot of these athletes <clears throat> going into those toes to bar, it just blew people's grip up to a level that oh, they yeah. were not prepared Forms for. I mean, Forms think about just doing one round of that. Yeah. And now you're moving to the ground overhead. So that's final two. Um, you got <clears throat> gymnastics, light weightlifting. Another couplet, five to 10 minute range. And so they move into the finals and now the final portion of this event was three rounds for time, burpee over the wall. So you did a burpee and then you jumped over, I think it was like a six foot wall. Six foot wall. Into three 20 foot rope climbs for men, two for the women three rounds for time with a 12 minute cap. And, you know, this is the event where, you know, Rich famously couldn't climb the rope and, you know, finally got one and fell off the rope and busted his ankle and basically lost the games on the rope. And, you know, Graham Holmberg wins. And and I think we we need to keep saying that enough, especially to give Graham some respect, because I think too many people say that as the, the games that Rich lost. And not enough yeah. that the games that Graham won because Graham won two events at the games. Like you don't do that and just like fall ass backwards into a, a, the, the, the yeah. top of the podium. Well, Graham had an unreal 2010 games. And even on this event, like he still was hanging in there. Now, granted, it didn't didn't it didn't look it wasn't the same time that Chris Spieler had. I mean, you know, it, it, at this point, when you have to climb up a rope after you've already been hanging from a bar and you've already climbed up over a wall and you stretch your, your, uh, your, you know, your forearms with the, the handstand pushups, you need to pray that you're a lighter athlete to make this work. I mean, oh, you yeah. really, you really do. But you know, that being said, he still had, he's, he, and it's funny if you go back and you watch the video because those guys are going kind of head to head in their heat yes. and you can see, you can see Graham see Rich and see Rich just fail. And Rich was, it's crazy. Like it's the first time 
if you've seen, if you've only seen Rich win, you see Rich really pissed off at himself. Like he's laying on the ground, giving himself like the finger gun to the head. Like, yeah, had to shoot me already. Like, what is going on? Like, this isn't even. It was such right an epic no final to watch, though, like in the stands, because you knew where Rich was. You knew where these athletes were on the points coming in. And you you were kind of doing the math a little bit. You're like, oh, Rich yeah. won event one. You're like, it's over. Because Rich was crushing the weekend. Coming into that oh, final, yeah. like Rich came out of nowhere. I think it was the deadlift one where he really just kind of like popped up ahead of everybody on yeah. event four. And then from there on, it was just kind of like Rich, 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 Rich. And then he wins the first of three of the finals. Like we knew what was going on because a lot of heats have gone by now. And you see him yeah. win. You're like, oh. And then he totally implodes on the second one. You're like, oh, well, maybe. Because Rich gets ninth, then Graham gets second. You're like, well, there's yep. seven points. And based off how it was scoring, like, that was a big deal. Because your point placing was your total points for the event. Lowest points wins. Same scores they had in 2009. Like they, like, like they do the Open. And then you go into that one and then you're watching Rich fail rep after rep on the rope and not be able to climb it as these guys are finished the event. You're like, oh my gosh, this yeah. guy's going to blow it on the last of the <laughs> last things. And it was, it was so intense. Um, it, it was a, it was a fun finals to watch. Um, and I think that was really where we, we realized that like this was going to be something super special. Yeah. I mean, I, w the way, the way that it felt with the events, you know, especially coming off the 2009 games, how it, pre how it was presented. And, you know, again, here we are, we're going to be talking about the programming of all the different events. We, we've already talked about all the pieces of them. When I look at this, this this was the year. I mean, with all because in the last one, the really in 2009, there really wasn't that much gymnastics. I mean, like they had the no. muscle ups in there, but here all of a they sudden, like everyone squeezed was like, them into the oh, final I need barely. To be a gymnast now, and I think this is what's really interesting is there. There's always a little bit of a flavor to each one of the years as they come out, mm -hmm. and everyone that next year always tries to make themselves better as if they were going to compete in that year, not the one that they're trying to come up or right. not to make sure that they have all the holes filled. And so everyone at this point was like, okay, we need to do legless rope climbs all the time. We need to do muscle ups all the time. We have to do handstand push-ups all the time because those were the things that just absolutely smashed everybody. Um, of course that isn't how every, CrossFit games goes, but no. even with, even with the flavor of the, of the high skill gymnastics in this particular games, I would say that of the, of the, for a first shot at the modern games, you know, and I'm talking like, you know, I, I know that the 2009 is kind of the birth of the modern games. I think that this was a very solid attack at this, at trying to test who the fittest people on earth were. And you have a true field of competitors that had to qualify to get here. Mm -hmm. um, of a, of a, a fair sample, a fair sampling. So all of a sudden now, like our group, that net is starting to get really wide to start. And then we start, you know, whittling it down. And I mean, look at the names that are there. These are names that 
were able to hang in there for a really long time. So it did find, I think it really did do its job of finding the fittest people around. And that I think the testing was, was pretty, I mean, pretty damn good. I mean, I think it's, a, I think it's weighted a little heavy on, on the gymnastics, but I don't think that it, I don't think it, it skews what it needs to do. So <clears throat> overall, if we want to look at that, so Graham Holmberg wins the 2010 CrossFit games, Chris Clever dominates the 2010 CrossFit games. And when we look at the numbers side and, you know, we've done this for the last three years to kind of determine how the balance works. We felt like in 2009, um, especially how the cuts were set up is that they didn't do a good job of testing gymnastics. Then they, they threw a lot in, in, in the final, but it was one event and it kind of skews the numbers of times they used it. Um, but you had a whole day of competition that had no gymnastics and there's five events. Okay. So in 2010, they did a good job of balancing that out. I think they had yeah. nine total events or nine total gymnastic movements were used eight total weightlifting and some monostructural in there, kind of a combo. They only did two monostructural ones. It was the um, double unders counts as a monostructural one, but they only had one event that had running. That was the Pyramid Helen. So I think they, in the later parts of the weekend, it wouldn't have hurt to see, you know, some type of row in there, um, maybe another monostructural event after cuts were being made. That's the only whole but it, it didn't really affect anything because the tests that they had the events that they put in there were, were great tests so and i'm looking at it you know the rep ranges were, were well balanced the the singles the couplets triplets the, the good balance the time domains again there's a lot of good balance across the board which i think this is the first time we've been able to say in four years of the games that this is a very good true balance test to find the fittest on earth. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And, and I, I wouldn't disagree with the idea of you could probably have some more, another element of monostructural. And that's ticky tack from me. I'm just looking at the numbers, right? right? I think I, I honestly think the only reason there isn't is because this was the first year they were at this location. And mm-hmm. I think it takes a little while to figure out, okay, what are we allowed to do That's true. here? I mean, like they, they probably could have done like a, a rowing event or something like that here, but I don't, I just think that there was a lot of things that we're trying to put together. And, and, you know, when you're juggling all of those things, did that endurance piece get tested? Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it did in multiple events, but they just did games it had multiple events right. of kind of the same type of thing. So I think that, I think that that was kind of a, uh, uh, less wheels. Um, I, I think you're right. I mean, could they have put another one in there? Sure. Why not? That would yeah. have made it even prettier. But I, I think that for what it was at 2010 to great test. Yeah. And like great, I said, I mean, that great that's... races, great events. That was just looking at the sheet based off the numbers. Like you said, a, a lot of this is, is trying to be, unbiased and just giving an objective view of what we're looking at. But, you know, if if I can inject like a personal feeling, I love the 2010 games. It was, you know, we started to see, excuse me, some more unique events coming out because of the venue change from Aromas to Carson. And, you know, the, the competition that we had on the, on the men's side, at least was, was fantastic. And then 
we didn't really see many other good ones after that on the men's side because Rich <laughs> came back with it's quite a vengeance. So on, on the men's side, Graham Holmberg wins. It was total place finishes, so he had 48 points. Rich Froning at 51. Again, that's how close it was. It was only three points. Yeah. And and for him, it's like one more rope climb. He wins the games. Chris Spieler yeah. gets third. On the women's side, um, all three on, on the men's podium, all of them won two events apiece. That's pretty cool. On the women's yeah. side, Kristen Clever gets first at 31. Annie Thorstadter, 43. Val Vobrel gets third. Look at this. Chris Clever wins five events. Yeah. Annie Thorstadter wins four. Val Vobrel wins one. And no one else. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and that's all the and that's all the events that they had to do. Um, so five, four, and one. Now that's ten events. That's because there was a tie um, between. I think it was. I think it was Kristen and Annie uh, on one yeah. of the events where they they tied. So they both got an event win there. So th- the podium was dominated in terms of event wins, scoring wise. Like we said before, and we've done this in the past. It was uh, place finishing per, which I think is a is one that you really enjoy because it's just like you that. get a point for where you finished when you look at um, another objective view is to look at their average finishing place and that doesn't change the podium at all um no graham's average finishing place was 5.3 riches was 5.6 and then spielers was 7.6 chris and clever's average finish was 3.4 oh my god that i mean that is that that doesn't happen anymore Think well, about that. okay Re- hold on oh. we have to say this i'm talking about chris first and second in every event except for the sandbag where she was 20th first second in every event first and second in every, i wasn't keeping the tallies there event except for the sandbag she was 20th in that one and she wow. had issues. i think she had some issues with her with her uh wheelbarrow correct i think she had some issues with her um with her wheelbarrow. Okay. Like it was dumping. It, it just kept dumping to the side. And you know, part of that was like, if you, if you, um, threw the bags in there without actually like putting in weight balanced. Right. That was another part of it. But yeah. so 3.4, just because of that. Wow. Annie Thorosauter was 4.7. Val Vobrel was 5.6. The next closest was eight. So, I mean, that was a three-horse race from start to finish. Totally. 31 points, yeah. 43, 51, fourth place, 72. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. But I, the, this, this is where, this is where, you know, having multiple events like this um, or a large number of events like this makes it so that you can, you have some of those athletes that, you know, they're going to be up at the top and they're going to be at the bottom. You know, you get the, the mm-hmm. wrenches that get thrown into the system. I personally like those. So even though I like the, you know, you get your point for your first place, two right. points for a second. I like that setup. Um, I have a, I have a hard time liking that plan when you have cuts because then all of a sudden right you can afford to do really really bad and it doesn't affect you um you can have an athlete that like just like yourself would have been really good in the in the wheelbarrow and maybe you could have you know messed up the leaderboard 
right? Because someone else wouldn't have been good. I mean that, and that's that's the you know the cuts are. I don't like double the cuts. Sword. It definitely has a place. It's exciting. It's like totally. oh, who's going to get mean, it cut? Whittles it down. It whittles it down, but it throws that element yeah. out. And even and I'm not even talking especially the, with that scoring the, system. The recent games. I'm talking right here and now. I remember mm-hmm. sitting in the stands with Joey Warren, who was here at this games, and he was one of the guys that I would always compare myself with. He's a California kid. And he was sitting there thinking, man, I, I know I'm out, but I know that I would have done well on this. Like rope climbs, I'm good. Like I'm good right. at climbing stuff. And he's like, I know I, c- I could have messed some of these guys up. I know it. Yeah. But he didn't get the chance. And it that's a com- common that's a common thing when you have cuts that's all that of that's not a new concept no you will always have that issue nor is controversy so over the cuts of, yeah i mean in 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 you know we armchair quarterback all this stuff and here we are armchair armchair quarterback in 2010 right the cuts i don't think the cuts if there weren't cuts i don't think it would have affected i tell you what if there weren't cuts between Chris rich, and Andy, doesn't, rich doesn't podium i'll tell you that right now you don't think you would have? No way. Just all because of the last event? Yeah. You you climbed the rope once. You're going to tell me 40 guys couldn't do that? At that point? Yeah. I'll tell you right now, if they didn't make cuts, I don't think Rich makes the podium. Absolutely. Because of the second know. event, too. I, 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 because I the, he got ninth I mean, out of 16 dudes. Ninth in the second event. Okay. Because he killed himself on the 20th. first. Kristen took 20th. When? Kristen took 20th on the sandbag. Yeah. After cuts. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe she... Uh, there were cuts that were before that. She could have gotten less than... She could have gotten worse than 20th. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying cuts you would have, have... You don't think... Changed it. Cut... Cuts will always no the men's. I'm not saying Kristen. You're always going to have one person that will do that, but logistically speaking, yeah, how can you not have cuts? So I mean, like they have to be there, whether they are whether they're in. Oh the yeah, yeah. Itself. I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying if yeah, they didn't cut, it would change the podium. Well, I'll tell you what, with all the cuts that had to happen with the <laughs> the open and the regionals and everything else, it didn't change Anchorage later no it did not particular year no it did not of course they stopped doing cuts after that so well well that's what's i think that's what's so funny is it will always be if they're there people are going to bitch about it yeah there's too many people and these people are doing this and if they're not there uh or i'm sorry if they if they aren't there then people are going to complain about the fact that like how this guy even do anything because you know they're like in 40th place and all of a sudden they get a second and they get a whatever and then if they are there, then all of a sudden, I, like I think if you're going to have cuts, you should change the scoring system as you change the cuts. Which is what they the did last year. There. Right. Which I, I think if you're going to have it, that makes every single event worth the same amount. Yeah. Ah, whole new can of worms. <laughs> but it's okay. It's a, no, we're gonna the the thing that's great is as we go through each one of these years, we get to see okay, is that getting refined or not? Is it right. is it being put in appropriately or not? Is it getting? I mean, the the test so far to this point, I still think the fittest people are winning. I don't think yes, that we are, yes, that we have absolutely missed, that we missed. Something. I agree so with you. 
and, and that's kind of, I think what you have to kind of whittle it down to is the competition has one goal to find the fittest on earth. The competition is not to find the fittest top 10 people in the appropriate order based on the fact that they've done X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. It's the test is the fittest on earth, mm-hmm. not the, not the group of the fittest on earth because everyone is fit there. True. So, um, I think up to this point, other than every second counts, I think that, uh, there, there a way to finding a nice, uh, recipe to be able to do that. I think yeah. they're, they're, they're definitely getting a good handle on it for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, they're kind of, you know, at that little artillery, right? You undershoot, overshoot, get really close. And now 2010, they are really starting to come into their own. So I, I think what's special about 2010 is, is not just the move to Carson, the tennis stadium, the, the more legitimacy of the sport spectacle that it started to create, but the programming elevated alongside with it to, to back that up. And, you know, we'll, we'll see that as we move down, especially 2011, because the gap that we jump from 10 to 11 in, in terms of just the spectacle is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, it, it was I mean, I don't want to say night and day, Yeah, but it's like, I mean, you know, you're going to get something good. Mm-hmm. Like, like when you're a kid and you know if you're lucky enough to get like your first car your parents buy your first car and it's like yeah here's this really cool used thing we'll 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 fix this up it'll be awesome and you're on that you think it'll be good because hey man it's my car it's gonna be great it's gonna be awesome and you go outside and it's like ladies or something it's like a bmw and you're like oh (laughs) that's awesome oh But yeah, so, so yeah, that jump that jump is cool, and it's gonna be fun to talk about yes, that one and all the events. Two thousand eleven, man, yeah, like we we got some, we have some fun years coming up because oh, you know yeah. we, we were just kind of scratching the surf on how to figure out the CrossFit Games in those early years. But after two thousand and ten, man, it's it's gonna get really exciting. So you know we, we want to thank you guys for uh, sticking with us in two thousand ten. I'm giving this two thumbs up on the programming side. Good test. Found the fittest. Thumbs up, man. I'm going the thumbs up, too. I like it. Strong work, David. All right, guys. So that's episode four of our first series, Analyzing the CrossFit Games. Bill Grunder. See you next time for episode five. Have a good night.